Welcome to the Game Great Podcast. It's just lovely to be here and lovely to meet with you, Nikki. And uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, likewise. I'm so happy that you decided to come onto the podcast. And I'm I'm curious, what made you decide to do it? Well, I have recently moved to Montreal, and uh, I had also uh, interacted with Bruce earlier when I saw your posts on Instagram, and uh, I was. Uh, sort of in a zone where i felt uh, in terms of the the mission and vision of game gray i've the, about uh, you know addressing the needs of older people if i may say so and uh, about especially with loneliness and staying alone and during the pandemic so my initial objective was to try and interact and be helpful in any way i can be to the community and to be able to interact with people and uh, then i even wrote a blog post uh, for game gray and then i saw the podcast and when you guys started that i was like okay this is something which is interesting because uh, the reason i sort of empathize with that aspect in fact is that uh, ever since i came here i realized or or i felt that when we as a community and i'm talking about purely my experience it could be a completely just one person's survey if i may say so but uh, what i felt was that in terms of interactions uh, when i interact with people from the community or even other people in montreal the conversations are very warm on the internet and you interact and you talk and you make fun and you crack jokes even some which you can't put on air and you know it's 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 like like friends very casual and then i realized and i started observing it that when it comes to the physical meeting where i come from if for example you and i meet and i say hey i want to meet the painter who did that painting and as long as it's comfortable and the person is okay and you're okay you would say yeah okay sure and let's fix up and have a coffee and meet up but what i realized is that uh, when i would say something similar here it either becomes a bit overbearing or it's like i'm being a bit nosy and i'm not about myself personally i'm taking the first person as just an example so uh, i've heard people saying oh i don't want to introduce anybody to anybody and what happens if this one does something bad and this one doesn't like it and you know so those interactions which in fact i was uh, speaking with a good friend of it's a couple a couple here uh, canadians and i was uh, we just met last week uh, for a walk in the in montreal and we were talking about the same thing that when it comes to meeting people don't introduce not i won't say it's a blanket ban but generally speaking people don't introduce other people to one another and expand the community it's just we kind of operate in silos so i know some people and they know some people but i don't know those other people and stuff like that so what i realized was that it's actually a challenge especially for immigrants like myself it's really a challenge unless you have first person contact it's really difficult to expand the circle but more importantly what i felt was that even people who are here locally for them as well it's difficult to expand the circles and if they have five friends that five number stays five and in that also it kind of uh, it becomes like a funnel so out of this five one moves to toronto or one moves to calgary and to the us or wherever and then that circle keeps becoming smaller and smaller um i know someone who's uh, about i would say 60 or more uh, in terms of age stays in laval and if he hears this podcast he will know exactly who i'm talking about <laughs> and uh, uh, he uh, he's been single for a while and i keep coming to montreal and going back but up now in this year in january i've just come and settled down here but prior to that i had been coming and going so uh, i had interacted with him at that, at that point in time and when i chatted with him again he has a car and laval is not very well connected in terms of public transport so he stays somewhere where he doesn't really go out that often and he's a canadian who's been living here for a really long time in montreal and last i checked which is a couple of months back 
uh, when I chatted with him, he hadn't interacted with a single friend of his physically ever since the start of the pandemic last year, from March. And I was like, how do you, because for me, the way where I come from, I would not imagine that. And uh, I felt very concerned. So I kept speaking with him, interacting with him. He seems quite all right now, but he was in a very low mood at that point in time. And I was like, you have your local friends and stuff. So his comment was that even I don't meet with my brother that often. So I don't know if I want to meet my friends or if they want to meet me and stuff like that. So that's what concerns me a bit about the society. I think those are very real concerns. And I think yes. that that's something that a lot of people can relate to. And that's why, yeah. why gangre is so important, that there needs to be some sort of like public facing space that people can contact and communicate with and get connected to people because there's not very many many opportunities to do that oh yes and and that's really really i'm thankful for game gray in that sense that uh, a lot of dialogue is happening in this interaction and especially the types the zoom talks where across ages people interact with one another and it's it it feels like a family i haven't been uh, unfortunately frequent on those uh, zoom uh, meetings but it's it's really healthy to see those interactions and and it's it's fabulous so thank you <laughs> thank you that's so good for me to hear because i i mean i'm happy that you don't feel like you have to come to every single one because i think some people do feel like once they come to one then they have to go to all of them and that's not at all the the case but it's nice to see people when they do show up and to check in and and make sure that they're doing okay and and i personally have been approaching my work as as sort of a familial kind of way of doing things because the the gay community especially and especially in the age group that we're working it's very common that like family ties will have disappeared when they came out yes oftentimes friends will disappear when they come out and so we we end up forging our own families out of the community so gary uh, yes. You mentioned that you immigrated to Montreal recently. Where did you come from? Okay, so I was uh, born in India and I've been working literally across continents in different places. So I've worked a lot in India and uh, this neighborhood in the South Asian countries like Bangladesh and Sri Lanka and Nepal and uh, Mauritius and Maldives and that place. And then I moved to Africa where I actually covered literally the entire continent in terms of all of those countries, either traveling for work or living in those countries. So I've lived in some seven countries in Africa wow. and uh, and in West Africa, East Africa, North Africa, South Africa, Central Africa. <laughs> so all zones covered. I've briefly stayed in Europe and uh, I met my husband in Egypt and uh, then we moved here and then we got married and then he had migrated here and then I moved in here and then so here I am. <laughs> wow, you're so well traveled. <laughs> well, <laughs> I really, I, that's I think something which happened uh, not necessarily because I planned it out, but uh, probably I've been a person who generally likes to travel quite a bit and I feel unsettled if I'm settled in one place for long. So I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so it just so happened that, you know, typically what happens when you start working that you feel comfortable and you get settled and you don't want to move. But for me, even if it was uh, like when I moved from India to Africa, I really had no idea what I was getting into, but the whole, the, the work profile was something that interested me, yes. But beyond the work profile, I was like, oh, wow, this is going to be completely different. And if I may say so, uh, just for the sake of our conversation, that up until the point that I landed in Africa, uh, in the sub-Saharan Africa where I went, up until that day, I had never ever in my city where I lived, I'd never ever seen a black person. So it was so different for me. And that was one big challenge. And it's not about the skin color at all, but if it had been anybody, if I had gone to China, for instance, I wouldn't have ever seen a Chinese. So the same kind of feeling came to me when I landed there that have I taken the right decision? 
because when you move in somewhere you just see that set of people all over the place so for a couple of days i was a bit hesitant to venture out and is it a safe city to go to and what not and and i was so fortunate that within a week i couldn't have seen more warm people anywhere from the my experiences there and it was i don't know i just have the best of feelings for uh, the warmest of feelings for my friends and countrymen from the country there and it was like they themselves were uh, of course they have a lot of in africa generally there are so many ngos and so many foreigners working there for doing something or the other so they know how to interact with everyone and they have their clear cut profiles that oh you're indian so you are somewhat like this and you are american so somewhat like this and as we all do in our own yeah. subconscious yeah our uh, i think the the technical term for it is heuristics so there's like shortcuts yes. our brains have when we encounter new situations yes they can sometimes and, work against us but <laughs> but yeah, they, they do they do yes <laughs> very right they do and and as i said i'd gone with my own preconceived notions but of course i'd gone with an open mind because i had voluntarily accepted the position so i had gone there but yet i had a little discomfort but as i said within a week it had uh, within a week it had vanished completely and then i stayed in africa traveling around the country uh, continent for like 15 years moved around everywhere and i just loved it and from there on then i moved to europe and in the middle east and so it's it's just been a very wonderful experience and tying up beautifully with what i do as work and with my this yearning for and this quest for travel and seeing new places i'm not very comfortable as a tourist i don't like to you know typically go to some place and i do it but it's not something i want that i go to paris and take a photo in front of the eiffel tower and well i mean you do it for the memory sake but i think for me at a certain point in time probably i was doing that more but now if i go to ottawa i don't want to just go and take photographs everywhere i just really would like to sit down with some people interact with them meet local people so so that really meshed itself beautifully with uh, my work so i actually ended up experiencing so many languages cultures religions attitudes heuristics <laughs> <laughs> how many languages have you like really encountered uh at, well enough to sort of get a feel for them okay so uh, english of course uh, which is not my mother tongue english and uh, french because i worked for a long time in the francophone africa and uh, then portuguese and uh, arabic i worked in middle east for a bit and uh, then in terms of uh, other languages a uh, little very little bit of uh, this romanian and swedish oh cool yeah. and what is your mother tongue hindi hindi nice cuz i know there's a different a bunch of different languages in in india so <laughs> 26 different official languages yeah. <laughs> it's super diverse <laughs> Yes, yes, extremely diverse, and I think that also uh, helps uh, for me as an Indian coming from there. And even within India, I was in a job in a marketing job, so it made me travel all over the place, all across zones. And it was probably, if you notice the difference, it was literally like going from uh, Montreal to landing in Toronto. So it's like. you don't see french anywhere there and you don't see so much english we do see english here a lot but not so much french in toronto and for me same thing with hindi speaking uh, when i would land in different cities it would be like you fly down from one city to another and there's a stark sudden change in india so we were quite at least i was quite comfortable with the idea that when i'm talking to somebody they may not really understand what i'm saying and i think that helped me a lot when i moved to africa Uh, when i landed in guinea i had no idea about the first country the francophone africa uh, i had no idea about uh, french at all and i was told that i will be given a month or two months to learn the language after learning french and uh, after being there for about a year or so i went to paris for some work and i was just sitting in a typical parisian cafe and uh, sometimes people in track and contrary to most people's views I find the French quite warm. I don't know why is why that is the case. And a lot of people say that no they're cold and they don't talk and they don't interact. My feeling was that 
if you attempt to speak french and especially if you speak wrong french they get very pleased and they get warm and they feel that at least this guy is trying mm-hmm. so so they were quite positive anyway so i was talking to this guy next to me having a coffee and it was an older gentleman at that time i was younger then and uh, he uh, looked at me while talking he was smiling for quite a bit of time so i was like getting a bit uncomfortable mm. i said what are you smiling about so he said no it's okay i said no tell me so he's like you know the the french that you are speaking is like what you would probably anglophones would talk about anglophone queens english use using words that we used to use here 20 years ago <laughs> where did you learn your french so i said i i'm sorry i everything I, i'm speaking i've learned in guinea so is ah okay that explains it <laughs> so everywhere we have our own dialects and slang and language but it's good fun it's really good fun and you know the beautiful part and that is something which i even feel very strongly about for our own community lgbt community that we've always strived for years and years for decades we've strived for people accepting our differences and be understanding that we are different but yet we are similar and that within the community wherever i get the chance including today for instance i always try to emphasize on the fact that we really need to learn that again i do feel that a lot of us have stopped remembering that we used to be the different ones once so even within the community we uh, band together against our own people who are apparently in some way different from us whether it is in our political opinions or it is in our ageism that we have very strongly or the way we talk or dress or move or whatever mm-hmm. and i try to keep emphasizing that no let's let's just appreciate we're not talking about uh, accepting violence and other such stuff but in terms of just pure differences if someone's young so what if someone's old so what and if someone has a different political opinion or i don't know anything we just need to accept and once we start accepting that there are differences and start appreciating the individual we realize that essentially no matter what we are very similar the differences are very superficial mm-hmm. i completely agree yeah <laughs> it became serious i think <laughs> <laughs> so okay so you're from india you've traveled all across but are there areas that you haven't yet been to that you would like to visit okay so one big thing i want to do is sometime in the near future is to travel through canada first of all i've just been to this part of, of canada like ontario and uh, quebec i haven't traveled to the other parts prince edward island or banff i want to go to or mm-hmm. british columbia or wherever and then i want to i've traveled quite a bit in the us and uh, i do want to cover central america and south america mm-hmm. that is my real aim and especially from here it will be relatively easier once this pandemic goes off <laughs> to travel there i really want to go to peru and argentina and guatemala yeah. ecuador and costa rica a great good friend of mine stays in costa rica yeah. i would love to go and spend time there you do Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. I've been been thinking about going to Costa Rica cuz I I actually haven't done very much traveling at all and I would love to. I want to go to all of the places. <laughs> <laughs> But I just haven't had the opportunity. So so I'm excited for whenever COVID is over to to start visiting places and and really Costa Rica travel. we should go together. <laughs> we should. Let's go. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Let's organize a getting great trip to Costa Rica. Yes. Absolutely. That would actually that would be a fabulous idea. That would be fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh in in all of your travels, what have you noticed as a, a gay man navigating the spaces? Like what and also I'm assuming you're gay. I I don't know Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, because you might be bi, you might be trans, there might yeah, be like, no, all sorts of Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. yeah. Yeah. So how how has it been uh being yourself and and how comfortable you are being that part of yourself in other places? So one common thread that I've seen across everywhere and uh I would probably say even maybe in uh Montreal, I don't know, you would know much better than me. 
but across the globe what i've noticed is that by and large you don't stand out visually and you don't stand out uh, through public displays of affection and doing things which usually people don't do then there's really no challenge in most of the places and especially in asia and africa it's very normal even socially speaking if two men share a room in a hotel it's actually more of a challenge if you do that in europe and in us and america canada mm-hmm. but uh, not a challenge and nobody questions you but you will obviously want to stay in same room only if you're gay for instance in canada or us but in india or in any of the countries in africa nobody would even bat an eyelid or even the middle east in the so to say muslim countries so long as you're okay with behaving normally i'll put it in quotes it's absolutely fine it's only when you look different that things happen and uh, people comment and that is where uh, i feel that we as a community can kind of identify with what women go through when they are on the street and they uh, hear some comments or people pushing them or you know the, the things that happen so that for me personally it hasn't happened but i know a good friend of mine for instance he lives in kenya he's a kenyan indian born and brought up in kenya but uh, ethnicity wise indian and he's quite flamboyant and being gay is illegal in sense in legal terms but i don't see anybody really getting arrested and jailed and stuff but there is a bit of harassment so he's very flamboyant and he for instance he wears he insists on wearing pink and he na- his, has his nails painted and has a big dangler in his ears so frequently he's uh, people push him or make comments on him and whatever but for some reason he's got used to it i don't know how but that also it's not that it happens all the time if he for instance is moving around within nairobi going to a mall or going to a movie theater people look at him of course they look at him because it's something different but uh, beyond that nothing happens and when he's on the street and going to the local market where there are lots of local people buying local stuff and you know the farmers markets kind of things over there these kind of things happen with him mm-hmm. but overall my experience in general has been okay except that in the middle east there's been i've experienced that you need to be very conscious of how you behave and interact and talk to people because in some countries again i don't know personally but i've been told by friends that there could be a policeman disguised or something and coming onto grinder or what not and i've never understood why would a policeman make all that effort to go to grinder and catch people unless they really want some money because otherwise it's just it doesn't make sense to me so a lot of like in egypt for instance i know uh, Uh, quite a few times people would come in there and then if you on the one of those websites they would be you would be reported or you'll have for instance if i i have my photo on grinder and somebody says okay let's meet so when i go to meet at a certain place i will not be sure whether it's actually the person who i interacted with or is it someone else and if you invite someone over like there was a case of some i think it was either a canadian guy or some western economy person who was in an NGO in Cairo and he is he was gay and he used to be on these sites i only read it in the newspaper and he interacted with somebody who he invited back to his house and then he was murdered and money was taken from his house mm-hmm. so those risks are quite big and that's why a lot of people advise not to do that people still do it but you have to be very careful you don't want to keep testing your limits in these places yeah yeah That's but in terms of traveling and tours i don't think i i i personally can't say i have i've had any challenges per se well i'm glad you haven't <laughs> yeah, thanks but that cannot discount the fact that a lot of people really do have faced those challenges and when still in this world really needs to remain careful about what one is doing and saying and all that i have felt uncomfortable and maybe in terms of security you know wondering whether it's secure to walk in some streets in new york and uh, i've been more comfortable walking in nigeria and ghana which typically people say are not safe streets to walk on but 
I feel more comfortable in some places there and less comfortable in world city like uh, New York City, for instance. So yeah, you're right, and this this can happen really depending on where one is. Yeah, and also like there's intersections of different parts of your identity, right? So you may be called out, or maybe everyone accepts you being gay, but coming from India, they're like, oh no, absolutely not. You know, there there might be different intersections like that. Where yes. Depending on that identity. So have you have you found that in certain places, certain parts of your identity are more problematic or more accepted? Oh yes. So in this instance, for example, I'm sure there are many, we are 1.4 billion Indians, so I'm sure there are many, many of them, but in here in Canada, for instance, I have not come, come across, and not that I've made any effort to find anybody specifically, but I've not really come across any Indian who's out and gay and who I can interact with. I've not found anyone till now. And I don't even know if there is an association or a group or, or something, you know. So if I was to say that uh, typically the Indians that I know here, some of them know, some of them, they don't know about my sexual identity. So it, they're mostly families. So with them, if I was to sort of come out to the people who don't know, I, I feel it might be uncomfortable. You don't tell, you don't ask, and you just continue it, it's that kind of thing yeah yeah i feel like that that's in a lot of different places especially in canada i feel like there's a, a don't ask don't tell kind of policy <laughs> <laughs> they're like oh you're fine so long as i don't notice <laughs> that yes, you are different. yes yes <laughs> yeah yeah uh what is it like in in india the approach to homo homosexuality is there what does homophobia look like in india Frankly, it is more, I think, a society thing. I don't personally know if it is, uh, again, I've not personally experienced it, but like if my friends know, I've never heard anybody, at least not telling me, not a single person has ever told me on my face that I don't like you or I'm not comfortable or saying something or abusing or passing a comment. I've never. But having said that, a lot of times, you know, the, again, the silos of, different this entire spectrum this i'm being more philosophical i don't know what practically i can say here but in terms of the philosophy i think the eastern cultures have generally had this spectrum as an understood thing so for example in africa or in the not so much in africa but middle east i can vouch for i know that a lot of men have sex with men as they go as they're growing because interaction with women is very limited and then as they move forward, they continue to move towards and then they get married or have affairs and they go with women. But they've had some or the other level of physical relationship with other men, for instance. And typically you're supposed to be gay if you are the one at the receiving end, if I may say politely. Mm -hmm. And if you are the one, uh, otherwise you're not, you're just being normal. And uh, so, so wait, so you can... Yeah. Uh, if you're, I'm going to use the, the terms top and bottom. Yes. Because that's yes. comfortable for me. Um, yeah. So if you're a top, you're not gay. But if you're a bottom, then you're gay. Sort of. That's the kind of feeling people seem to have. That is an idea that is also here in Canada. I've seen this as well. Like there's there's a big tie in, in with misogyny and homophobia. There's a lot of ties in there. Yes. You're so right there. Yes. So in that sense, in terms of the silos of gay or bi or so many other variables that are there, it's always been, in my sense of the, the feeling that I get, it's always been a sort of a continuum. And uh, so it's more recent in the last 15, 20, 30 years that you need to come out as gay and not. I mean, I know, no personally know of, probably 15 or 20 men who were gay when they were younger and then they got married, had kids and moved on. And probably some of them are still on the side having sex with men and they don't think of themselves. Even if I genuinely ask them, I don't think they will ever say I'm gay. They'll just say that, mm, oh, that's just something I do once in a while. <laughs> yeah, so, that's, 
that's something that I found really interesting that a lot of researchers specifically say men who have sex with men as opposed to gay men. Yes. Uh, because uh, somehow you can still like do that and not take on the identity. Yes. I, I can understand that in terms of like, personally, I'm not a huge, I, I think labels can be very helpful because they can give, give voice to, um, voice, yes, yes. Yeah. But ultimately I think humans are very fluid and I think we change through our ways of displaying ourselves in the world, our ways of acting in the world. And we change all the time. And so yes. the whole labeling of like, oh, you're gay or you're straight. And then like, especially there's a lot of people who don't see any sort of in between. Um, yes. And I think that's really problematic because I think we are more in between than than one extreme or the other. <laughs> Absolutely. You're right. You're right. And so uh, coming back to that part about India, so it was more uh, at this point in time, it's much more open in terms of societies. People still, I don't think any parents would gently say proudly, so to say that, oh, my son is gay or my daughter is lesbian or something. But uh, a lot of acceptance has come in in terms of uh, recognizing it and not throwing a tantrum. And in the bigger cities like the metros and Delhi and Mumbai and Bengaluru and those kind of cities, it's become very open. So it's, it's a norm to understand Like for example, for when I was in marketing, I'm talking about back in, in 2000, 20 years ago, uh, that was time when it was still, so to say, illegal. And uh, I personally have worked with, I used to be in marketing, as I said, so it was more directing or, or creating television ads, for instance. Oh, cool. And I, yeah, so I was personally uh, interacting with um, some producers and directors and actors who were gay even back then in 20, 20 years ago and very open about it. And we would normally not even bat an eyelid and nothing. I mean, it was just, it was just that it was another human being. That's it. So, but that was very typically in the media and marketing and uh, uh, movies and somebody who's in theater and artists and singers and dancers, not so much in real life managers and engineers and doctors and whatnot. But now even that has started evolving and changing and, but still restricted to the metros. But uh, I don't think there is too much of violence associated. There will still be comments. There will still be people pushing you and stuff, but it's not... I don't feel that it's uh, dangerous to step out in the streets of uh, the cities there. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Things are getting better. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and which is why I feel that it needs to be something where we we need to keep highlighting that and not just for the community, but for every single thing, whether we like it or we don't like it. If As long as it is not harming any other individual or any other animal or anything and it's blending in with the nature we need to voice support for every single difference that is there and that's what matters absolutely absolutely yeah. and that's that's why like it's really tricky to figure out what term to use because you want to explicitly acknowledge everyone that you can and say like yes i see you and i accept you and yes yes <laughs> you know, love <laughs> Um, using queer and gay um, as umbrella terms and uh, and having that be sort of acknowledging all of the people um, just not explicitly and also not excluding anyone so it's been uh, kind of interesting using that as a more umbrella term um, yes trying to figure out what what the right wording for everything is uh, but, you know I, I want everyone to feel safe and warm and included yeah, and, that's, and I kind of tend to agree with you. And I feel that uh, instead of uh, mm, splitting our already small community into further and further silos, I think instead of saying that we will not use the term gay because it only represents men, personally, it might sound controversial, but personally, I feel that I would rather use the term gay and insist that it becomes an umbrella word. And instead of saying that there's so many of them. It becomes like an alphabet soup and that really diminishes the value of each individual in a way while it does highlight it. So there's a constant uh, walking on the thin edge of the blade and not knowing which way we'll step and 
hurt someone's sensibilities. But if it's more of an umbrella term, without discounting any identity, we can say that when I say gay, for instance, I can represent one of the any number of uh, variables that could be there, and all of them gets encompassing in that. And at the same time, when I'm talking about one person as a as an individual, that individual can then highlight what they are, and that's fine for me. So, for instance, when we say human, human doesn't mean man or woman or white or black or brown or anything else. It's just human. But when you talk about uh, in terms of an Indian, when you say human, that's one image, and there's an Indian, and then from Indian you can say uh, a Bangaloreian or a Delhiite or a Mumbai person or and then whittle it down to the religion or the caste or the whatever gender and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's it, the umbrella organization, as you said. I think that really needs to play the uh, big role, and and I, I kind of agree with you that it, it really needs to be highlighted that we are all together in, under this umbrella. It's not one or the other. Have you ever been to a pride parade? I have been to one in Amsterdam. I've been, okay. been to one in London, and I've been to one in uh, Montreal. Oh, nice! What were they similar? Were they different? What, what was the differences? They were similar in a way, and uh, Montreal was different because uh, Trudeau himself came in, which to me was a surprise. And I was told later that he goes to all of them. <laughs> so, uh, but I saw him, and I was like, "Wow, is he really here?" Then I was told that yeah, he goes all the time to Vancouver, and Toronto, and Montreal, and everywhere. But beyond that, they were more or less similar. I think here it was probably a bit longer, and uh, Amsterdam was probably a bit uh, more. People were wearing fewer clothes in Amsterdam, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, more uninhibited. <laughs> a more uninhibited, and it was on the canal, so that was a difference. So they have boats on the canals, and they go around, so they do lots of stuff there. I would love to do like down the because we have a canal. We could have we could have a, a gay procession in in the canal. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah. Well, I think we should talk to the city about that. And, and we should definitely, if it happens, we should definitely take out a boat or something or a vehicle with gay and gray on that. I would love to do that. Get like a little yes. pontoon boat or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any sort of? Uh, experience with HIV AIDS and and that whole you know epidemic that um, still is going on but not to the same degree that it was uh, unfortunately no and fortunately this is that no I don't know if anybody except that I know a person in Nigeria who was positive or is positive I don't, I don't I'm not in touch with him anymore by the time I got into that society more frequently which is from the year 2000 onwards i think it had kind of stabilized by that time to a certain extent so when i met him in a social gathering it just came across as something that he is positive and it was left at that so at that point in time i wasn't very sure so when i subsequently spoke with the common friend i said do we need to be careful about anything? I really don't know, and I'm not trying to be judgmental. I'm just genuinely curious and uh, about, of course, being selfish, but just want to know. So my friend told me, no, no, he's, he takes his uh, medicines and all. And anyways, it's not something that you'll just get by shaking hands. And I had shaken hands and because, you know, we had read about it and we talked about it, but I just never come face to face with anyone. So... But beyond that, not really. And in Africa, in general, that is the time when I spent from the year 2000 right up to 2015. 15 years I was in Africa. And it was very common there, very predominantly common. More so in South Africa and Nigeria, specifically two countries where I spent quite a bit of time. And in both these countries, uh, it's uh, both genders, male, female. So it wasn't really associated by that time with any specific kind of people and I knew of uh, women who had HIV and I knew of kids who had HIV by that time but nothing directly I I won't say anything directly for the LGBT community yeah that's really interesting because I think in North America there's this idea that that only gay people get HIV and AIDS and like there's there's that 
those two things are equated in people's minds, even though it, you know, it's a virus that, yes, it is sexually transmitted, but it could be transmitted to anyone, and yes. you know, it, it does not discriminate. Um, it, it did impact the gay community, especially hard here. Um, so that's interesting that you were living in a place that it was hitting everyone. In South Africa, actually, uh, when I just started working in Johannesburg, in South Africa, um, I know for sure I was, even to the extent that, uh, you know, house help is much easier to get in India and Africa and elsewhere. It's not like here. So um, the house help was coming to my house. Uh, she, uh, the HR manager of the company I was working with, they would normally ask these questions and they would normally, so they would give us a bunch of people's uh, resume, if I must say so, and uh, uh, the people would come for an interview and whoever you're comfortable with. One of the questions used to be, are you HIV positive or not? And they would say, uh, everyone would say no, and then they would, the HR manager would insist on getting a certified test result from a particular institute, uh, testing institute, and uh, get that proof that you are not HIV positive. So it was very much there in your mindset back when I was talking about 2005. Mm -hmm. That's the time. Yeah. And uh, I've been to Zimbabwe, the way it was very common. I have been to uh, South Africa and even, even uh, this one, Botswana. And uh, over there, while that impression and even in the media was about more of a gay community thing, but the fact is that a huge number of women and children were infected. So again, because of that spectrum, so that even though locally the men there wouldn't really think of themselves as gay if they were even having sex with other men. So probably that's how it spread everywhere. I really don't know. I don't have any basis to make that claim. I'm just thinking out loud. Mm -hmm. But... At least for me, in those countries where I really came face to face with it in that sense, I never came, I never met anyone uh, like that, except when I later on came to Nigeria. But uh, in there, it was not a gay thing at all. It was everyone, literally, it was like everyone's supposed to have it. And if you don't have it, then that's great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't that bad, but that was the kind of mindset that we as foreigners used yeah. to be coming in with. But be careful about everything. So tell me about your work. It sounds like you did some really interesting stuff. Well, I've been a brand and marketing person for a very long time in life. And uh, I've worked on, I've worked in different kinds of industries, which is including, as I told you, press and uh, television and movies uh, in the production part of it and theater. And uh, beyond that, then I moved into the typical marketing of uh, food products like chocolates and coffee and tea and those kind of things. And then I moved to uh, hospitality, which is uh, in beauty parlors and salons and those things. And then I left all of it and came to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so now I am uh, starting to work here. I have started looking. I'm currently doing different things from home. I'm volunteering for an animal rights organization in Montreal, which is very interesting. It's just recently started and I hope it really does well. They're focusing on uh, working for pets or the companion animals for the homeless people. Mm. And uh, uh, why I feel it's important is that they uh, are looking at providing some sort of platform or a voice for the homeless people because when they especially in the Montreal winter uh, winter when they go out uh, go to a homeless shelter quite a few shelters don't allow pets mm -hmm. so where do they leave the pets so either they don't go to the uh, shelter at night or they leave the pets outside and the pets are used to living with their human for 24 7 so suddenly if they feel abandoned at night what do they do how does it work? Does the city take them away? Do they get an injection? And those are real challenges. And a homeless person, if he or, he or she wants to get a job, where does the, where do they leave the animal? So I've started working for them. And similarly, uh, looking at some of the volunteer opportunities. And 
looking for a job. And interestingly, I found a job which is by chance uh, looking at uh, interacting with the media and the press. So to, uh, but that is more a commercial uh, aspect. So that's sort sort of a public relations kind of a company which contacts media people and tries to provide them material for the products that they are talking about. So that sort of blends in with my work with the foundation, and I hope I can have sort of an amalgamation between the two and use those contacts to work on these and these ones to work on that and hopefully bring a voice to everyone. And uh, you mentioned that you're married. Yes. Yeah. How did you meet your husband? Uh, when I was working in Egypt. Really just met for a cup of coffee. It just started from there and it's been uh, 10 years now. Oh, so, wow. yeah. Congratulations. So we just, thank you. <laughs> So we just met and then we, I think, just clicked and uh, uh, it just continued and I was in a traveling job. So we, for seven years or so, we really had a long distance relationship oh, and it is. And uh, I think every single day when, at least I can say for myself, when I would wake up, I would think that, oh, we are still together. <laughs> And we would be in different countries and not just different cities. And uh, we would make an effort to meet at least every two or three months. But in certain cases, it would become four or five months as well. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit of a challenge. And then it's only when he moved into Canada that I actually started doing less and less work for earning more and more time to come here and spend time with him. And uh, because here it was again comfortable to stay together and there's no challenge per se. So with that in mind, we actually spent the longest time together while in Canada, which is the last three years or so. But even then I used to stay here for a few months and then go back and then come back. So yeah, so it was uh, romantic only to the extent that uh, it was um, sort of love at first sight kind of thing for me. And uh, he was being pricey. <laughs> he took his own suite. He took three months to say yes. <laughs> well you know sometimes you got to take your time to to think and that's okay yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so that's how it is so short and sweet wonderful uh what was what was your first sort of like foray into the gay world so again for me i think again as i was talking about the spectrum i had uh sort of physical interaction which was more of a superficial level kind of physical interaction with uh, a couple of friends back at uh, back in the day many years ago when I was I think 16 or something 15 or 16 and th those days there was no internet even so there's no question of contacting or meeting anyone so it was more a personal thing we in proximity staying together so it just happened and then it subsided and then it happened again after a while, met somebody. And then when I started working in India, I was sharing the flat with someone. So uh, we were just flatmates, there's nothing else. And uh, he even had his own girlfriend. And even then this happened. So. He was irresistible. So, And uh, then uh, since we were flatmates, so the frequency, ha it happened with more frequency after that, after the initial time. And uh, after which then I moved and then I, then by the time I remember Yahoo Messenger was the first thing that we were, into. I don't know if you were even. Uh, I, I don't remember Yahoo Messenger, but I remember Yahoo. <laughs> yes. So Yahoo Messenger came in where you could message random people on, in the world. And then Yahoo Messenger also had Yahoo groups. Mm -hmm. So you could form your own little groups. And that was in 1996, I think, six or seven. And so that made it more flexible. And then I met some more people, interacted with some more people. And yeah, so that's how it all began. <laughs> the magic of the internet brought you together. Yes. And uh, what do you like to do outside of work when, when you're just sort of relaxing? What do you enjoy? Okay, so for me, I think traveling is a big part, which unfortunately last one year hasn't been. Traveling is a big part of things that I do. And traveling doesn't really mean traveling to another country or city. I can just spend hours uh, 
talking around La Fontaine or uh, Jean Drapeau or I can spend time in the village, a time in uh, downtown Montreal or anywhere. So uh, I do love that. And uh, uh, aside from that, it's usually I like baking and cooking. So I do spend a lot of time on those things, cakes and um, stuff. Nothing fancy, but basic <laughs> stuff. And, What's uh, the fanciest thing you've made? <laughs> Okay, so I am vegetarian, so I make uh, vegetarian koftas and uh, those kind of dishes. Mm-hmm. And uh, beyond that, in terms of cakes and stuff, I made cakes and I made croissant and uh, the usual tiramisu and those kind of things. Tiramisu, and, I, would, I would say that's fancy. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, it, it is a challenge to make it, yes, but uh, once you do make it, It's a series of steps, but it's not like, uh, to me, I think it's not too much of uh, testing and absolutely the right thing and this and that. So marginal changes happen and then the usual brownies and muffins and mm-hmm. all those sort of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. Christmas cake is one thing. I, I don't think there's much of a Christmas cake concept here. Back in India, we used to have a lot of Christmas cake happening. And this Christmas cake was essentially where you keep uh, your... dry fruits soaked in alcohol for like a month and then you bake it and then keep putting layers of whiskey or rum or something in the mm-hmm. on the cake and brushing it so that takes a long process uh, to prepare that i've done and that i do frequently wow so we're there baking there <laughs> And uh, what about your family? What's uh, what's that like? Uh, I have a brother and sister and my parents. My father's no more. Uh, uh, my parents, they're all back in India. And uh, they do travel. But nobody has been bitten by the travel bug like I have been. Mm-hmm. And uh, brother has his own family and children and busy with that. Sister, the same thing. And uh, mother stays there, so she... Uh, And in India, unlike here, uh, generally we have people staying together. So my mother, at the moment, she stays with the brother and his family mm-hmm. at the same house. So she's not alone by any means. And she has her own friends to interact with on a regular basis. But still, she keeps when we talk and we talk very frequently. So when she talks, she's like, okay, come back. When are you coming back? And I'm like, oh, mom, you can't keep asking me every day when am I coming back? <laughs> when I'm coming back, I'll tell you. I, you know, this is not like I'm going to be going from uh, one uh, locality to another locality. <laughs> so it takes time. So, but yeah, they're all doing well. And thankfully, mom's healthy at the moment. So there's nothing to worry about. She, they've just taken the, uh, she's been given the vaccination recently. Good. Yeah. So all's well. Are you uh, in line to get yourself vaccinated? I guess the the age is 75 plus right now. Yes, yes. Yeah. I'm not yet there, so no. <laughs> I have to wait. <laughs> well, fortunately, you don't have to wait until you reach that age, so that's nice. <laughs> yeah. For me also, I'm a bit of a fatalist in that way, so I'm not really waiting for the vaccine. If it happens, happens, does it happen, does it happen. I think if we just build up our own immunity with the natural medicines that, or foods or whatever, I think that helps a lot. And uh, as long as people are conscious of not infecting other people, mm-hmm. maintaining their own safety, not for themselves, but for others' sake, I think we'll manage ourselves well. It's only when uh, you see um, somebody walking on the street and not being careful about other people. That's when I get a bit concerned. But yeah, beyond yeah. that, I think yeah. there's definitely some people who go around the world and they're like, "Oh no, it's fine. I'm not worried. Like if I get if I get COVID, it'll be fine." And then yeah. you think, "Well, but you may be, but the person next to you may not be." Yes. Yes. And you don't know what someone's medical history is. So yes. even if they don't look frail, uh, they may not be frail, but yes. they still might be very vulnerable. There's there's plenty of people who have very good reason to to you know be extra careful, and it's not always obvious who those people are. So yeah, and you know, to me, this is more like uh, I'm not even talking about the fatal fatality or hospitalization. I'm just saying that uh, we as a society have evolved in the sense that. 
if i smoke a cigarette the moment i try to light it i would normally think if there are children around or if it's a closed room or should i step out or that just comes naturally to most of us mm-hmm. so if we can think of even something as mundane as a cigarette and we kind of are conscious of what we are doing why can't we just be similarly simply conscious of just putting on a mask you can take it off when the other person is gone away if you don't want to wear it but if someone's coming in just put it on for 5 minutes and then let it go it's yeah. as simple as that yeah yeah it's not hard it's it's okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world will not end for the 5 minutes you have to wear a mask <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i completely agree Yeah, there, I think there's a lot of um of ways in which we can kind of be better to one another and really improve yes. the sense of community. That sense of community needs to come in from something and every single human being has to have some, some bonding of some kind. And for me for instance that's where that same thing that game great for instance providing that platform you know, for people to come together. We really need to feel that uh you know uh, if if i'm feeling like going out and beating up someone short of doing that i should be able to um, call nikki and say hey listen i'm feeling like this can we just meet for a cup of coffee so that i stop feeling like this you know it's yeah. really as simple as that also in canada while a lot of immigrants are coming in but vast majority of them they don't have a community feeling and a lot of them i know personally they want a community feeling but there's nowhere to go and who do you you can't just call somebody in the yellow pages and say that i want to be a friend <laughs> so that community i think again uh, coming back to what i started with that uh, this platform itself is very unique and specially so for the people who really need that community so once again thank you so much <laughs> for doing this the more interactions we have the more we talk and it doesn't necessarily have to be on the platform itself it can be any which way i would love for people to all the members to listen to the podcast and listen write, uh, read the blogs and have more interaction you know so mm-hmm. the more we get to know one another the more we share things and more we say things out loud and don't fear any criticism or anything and just be open about ourselves the way we would with other friends i think that's what will make it a much more critical and important pillar of support for the community Absolutely. so let people go out and talk and talk to each other and interact with one another more and uh, for the younger kids the younger people interact with everyone because uh, ageism is something which we i have witnessed it and uh, within the community and i would recommend very strongly not to fall for it and like we would in normal circumstances just interact with everyone everyone's not looking out for something or the other as a benefit or as a quid pro quo we all just need somebody else to speak with and talk to and just be friendly because all of us myself included we will ultimately be reaching that age group at a certain time so uh you reap what you sow and let's just be happy together <laughs> should you be blessed with a long life and and be looking into going into long term care what would you hope exists for lgbtq people what would make you feel comfortable with going into that part of your life um for me for instance i would really hope uh, there is a community of people where uh, if given a choice i personally would prefer to go to a center which has if not exclusively for lgbt people then definitely a good number of lgbt people there so as i had written in my blog earlier as well that uh, specifically on this aspect that as of today for instance if i'm looking for a house to rent i would prefer to stay in an area or a building or or a block where there are more lgbt people than that i know of it just makes me feel more better and more at home and same thing especially when i age i would want my i don't know what to call them the the help the people who help whether they are nurses or service staff or 
yeah, whosoever. Like care workers and yes. support workers. Yeah. Yes. So all of those, uh, I would mentally feel more comfortable if I knew them and they knew me and who I am and they're okay with it. So a lot of straight people would definitely be okay with it. I'm not saying they won't be. But personally, I would be more comfortable when there is a bigger bunch of us and uh, we can share thoughts, we can talk about the same things and as a community, it would be better bonding. So, as I said, if I was to look to where to go, if there are two similar places to choose from, I would prefer to go to the one which is more LGBT than the other.